Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. The thing that I find that people really get stuck in is these patterns and these battles with one another, where when they believe they're being attacked, all they ever see is an attack, right? And so they're always defending. And I think Winston Churchill said, the first act of war is defense, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we go into any conversation defending ourselves, we are going to get more of what we're not looking for. We're going to get more of the battle. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome listeners. I feel so blessed today to have Mickey Gardner with me. She is a life coach who helps women co-parent well, and I found her as I was scrolling through Instagram, and you have so many great tools for people, and I want to share them with my listeners, with my clients, because those kids are so important to me when people are going through something like divorce. So, Mickey, we're so grateful that you're here And listeners, we're going to hear Mickey's story as to what led her to do this work. And then we're going to talk a little bit about ending toxic communication between co-parents and maybe even figuring out what your triggers are. So we're going to get some tips on that. And then hopefully we'll have some time to talk about how to navigate different parenting styles, because that's always a little bit of an issue for parents who are heading through that divorce doorway. So Mickey... So grateful you're here. Welcome. Can you just share your story as to what led you to do what you're doing? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I am grateful and excited for this conversation and just want to give a shout out to you because I think that there are very few lawyers that I have experienced that are really willing to look at doing this differently. And if there's one thing that I learned on this journey, There's not only one way. And so the fact that you have such expertise, but also such intention and passion behind supporting women and families, kids. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm super excited to be here. You're melting my heart. I love you. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, it's essentially how I got here, right? I think how we get anywhere is because most of the time we needed it. And You know, I'm now a certified life and conscious parenting coach, but in my former life, as I call it, I was a business owner. I was a wedding planner. I was doing luxury weddings all over the world. I had my own business. I had the husband. I had the adorable little baby. He's still cute. He's just a little older. I had the dog. I had all the things and I checked all the boxes to have that happy, perfect life. And it wasn't, but in what felt like an instant, everything that I believed was true was gone. And I suddenly realized that my then husband and I had very different ideas about marriage. And 
it sent me on a path of really figuring out what is it that I want. And I tried, we tried very hard to keep the marriage because I come from a family. We just celebrated my parents, I think 53rd, maybe 54th COVID. I've lost track of all years. I know, I know. But it's one of those wedding anniversary. Like I have a beautiful example of parents who have stayed together, have made it work through all the challenges. And so divorce for me was never an option. And after a lot of trying and a lot of things, I came to the realization that I was the example to my son of what it looked like to be a woman, to be a wife, to be a mom, to be a sister, all the things. And was I being an example of a woman and a wife and a mom that I would want him to use as his standard? And the answer overwhelmingly was no. And so in that moment, I understood that I had to go a different direction. And I had no idea what that looked like, right? And this is like eight or nine years ago. So this is before, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's conscious uncoupling. This is before a lot of the support and sort of mainstream things. So all I saw was either fighting and really horrible sort of, you know, the Hollywood in court, just fighting it out, battling, or there was this like, we're all in matching outfits on the beach with our new families living the best life. And I thought neither (laughs) felt like me. (laughs) Let's just be real. And so I woke up the next morning after I had this realization, I made us coffee. I sat my then husband down and said, let's call it. Let's call it while we still have some sense of fondness for one another and the ability to communicate. And I said, I have, and by the way, side note, he and I just talked about this like a couple months ago. We remember this time in our lives vastly different. So I just want to preface, this is my version. Oh, interesting. (laughs) He and I were cracking up about it. I said, really? I thought it was really collaborative. He's like, no, I didn't want to do this. And I was like, "Hmm, interesting. Okay, whatever. So here we are. But I said to myself in that moment and to him, I don't know what this looks like. But I know that we're going to be a family, that we're a family now, and we always will be a family. And so let's figure out how to do this together. So in doing that, I believe that I sort of unconsciously put out into the universe, there is a different way here. Mm -hmm. And I went on a journey of a lot of ups and downs, a lot of mistakes, a lot of decisions that I regret, all of the things, a lot of turmoil. It was very, very, very difficult. I do not want to sugarcoat that part of it. But overall, I kind of figured out, okay, this we can move through this in a different way. And it was all trial and error and learning how to build the skills, figure out what skills I needed to learn those skills, to build the team that I needed support from and to do that. And I'm like glossing over years of work here, but it was all together And when I sort of look back now, the thing that I most wish that I had was someone to hold my hand and to kind of scoop me up and to say, like, you don't have to know every step of the journey, but you have everything you need in you to figure this out and let's do it together. And so that's why I'm so passionate and so excited and so honored that every day I get to coach and mentor moms and some dads as they navigate this journey 
right? Because when we're in it, you cannot see the forest for the trees. If there is one thing that is going to devastate you, bring you to your knees, it is divorce because it shatters everything you think you thought you knew. Yep. You know, I have to commend you. Something that you said a bit back was that you will always be a family. And I think that that's what we're seeing in kids to do well through a divorce is that they still feel like they have a family, even though it's a little weird or odd or different. Yeah. Can you share a little? So what is your family like now? Oh, so now it's like a herd more than a family, really. (laughs) There's myself. My ex and I have one son who just turned 13 years old. We separated when he was just a little over three, I think, three or four. So we have him who is our shared son. He is now married and they have a son. So my son now has a half brother who is turning three. So a little bit of an age gap there. And then I have a partner who has two sons, same age as mine and a younger one. And so I currently live in a home with my son, my partner, his two boys and a male dog. So my mom (laughs) says it's testosterone camp and I'm starting to think that she's completely accurate. So we have a lot of male energy there. And so, and then he has a wife who just recently got married and he has three kids. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of different people. There's a lot of different opinions. There's all of the things. And so I just want to say this blended family stuff is not for the faint of heart. It is not easy, not easy at all, but worthwhile. Okay. So tell me, one thing you were going to talk about today was toxic communication. Did you have to figure this out on your own? And is that how you've kind of come to, yeah, I think you have four steps to communicating when you're co-parenting. And I also want to ask about how we figure out what the triggers are too, when you're working with a co-parent through this crazy stuff. Yeah. So the great news about all of this, so I am now, I call myself a conscious co-parenting coach because I'm certified in conscious parenting by Dr. Shafali Tisberry, who wrote The Conscious Parent and many other amazing Mm -hmm. books. And I really love the approach with which she comes to parenting. She always starts with that parenting is not about the child. If it were, it would be called childing. Parenting (laughs) is about the parent. Mm-hmm. And co-parenting is no different because what I see more than anything is we get locked into these patterns and these battles and these beliefs that it is about you and the other co-parent. Mm-hmm. And you lose sight of what really is important, which is the child. And the reason we do that is exactly what you just said, our triggers. Yeah. A trigger is anything that sort of gets you highly emotional or highly reactive, whether from what someone said or something did. And the way that I think it's always important to understand the way that I like to think about a trigger is when you go from like zero to a hundred in less than a second. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know those moments when we just fly off the handle, like calm in one second, completely out of control in the next. That is 99% of the time an old wound 
whether that's childhood, whether that's trauma, whether that's something that happened in a marriage, whatever, it is an old wound that that person, place, or thing just poured salt into. It's why it happens so fast and it floods us. And when we get flooded, what I mean by that is our nervous system actually kicks in. So our brain believes that our brain's only job is to keep us alive, just to survive. It is not here to help us thrive, to make good decisions, to be an amazing co-parent, none of those things. Right. Our brain's here just to keep us alive. And it's important to understand because the thing that I find that people really get stuck in is these patterns and these battles with one another where when they believe they're being attacked, all they ever see is an attack, right? And so they're always defending. And I think Winston Churchill said, the first act of war is defense, mm -hmm. right? And so when we go into any conversation defending ourselves, we are going to get more of what we're not looking for. We're going to get more of the battle. And so I think that's really where this toxic communication that I see people falling into is so important to talk about because the one thing I hear over and over is, well, I don't have a choice, right? He said that thing to me. He lied. He's the one that made me upset. All of those kinds of things, you always have a choice. But as long as you are reacting to your triggers, you are in a state of survival. You're not in a state of making calm, rational decisions. And so first and foremost, we have to learn when we're triggered, how to calm ourselves down so that we can make choices. And I think the one thing we're seeing more and more and more of in what's happening in the world at large is that people are living in a state of reactivity. Mm -hmm. They are just reacting to everything because they don't necessarily have the skills to emotionally regulate themselves, to calm themselves down so that they can respond. And what I teach my clients and what I work with every day is really learning how to take responsibility for your life. And when I say that, I mean response hyphen ability, the ability to respond versus being trapped in that pinball mode reaction where you're just trying to avoid all the metal paddles and bright lights and silver balls flying at you, right? That's no way to live. And right. that's not a way to co-parent or parent or adult in the world. And so a lot of what I do in the conscious co-parenting is really start to understand why awareness, right? Why am I being triggered, right? What do I need in this moment? How can I give that self? give that to myself. And then how can I respond to what's in front of me? What is the response that I need? And so when I talk about this sort of toxic cycle of communication, oftentimes it will look like one parent sends a text with a request, right? Can you switch weekends? The next co-parent sees it and feels like they're being attacked or blamed or judged. And so they defend themselves. So they send a response back. Maybe it's really cutely written. Maybe it's trying to be super sicky sweet, whatever the thing, but they're feeling attacked. And so they're defending and they send a response back. Well, then they get a response back from that, right? Which one ups that yeah. is now there, right? So we're into this pattern in this cycle. And so we have to learn how to break that cycle 
And that's really where this step of awareness, just I'm triggered. What do I need to do to pause so that I can really learn to take responsibility versus just continuing on? Yeah. What you're saying is just so in line with everything I think and know. I mean, that awareness is key. So would you say, well, I want to tell you too, one little trick, which you maybe know that I learned is I have my clients have a picture of their kids pop up on their phones when the other parent is contacting them to keep the focus on the kids. So if that is a trigger, that can kind of help you be aware. But say in the moment someone's triggered by something, Mm -hmm. I think just by practicing that awareness, right? So maybe thinking even beforehand about, okay, I might get triggered by this. So then you become aware of it. Then what do you do to respond rather than react? Take a deep breath. I mean, what are your your tips for that? So I think there's a few things and it depends on sort of what pattern you're stuck in, right? But first and foremost, you always hit the pause button and you teach yourself to learn to hit the pause button almost all the time, right? We are, we live in this instant gratification society. We're almost trained as moms to answer whatever thing is happening at any given moment, right? But Mm -hmm. rarely do we have to do that. So getting rid of the insta yes or the instant reaction to anything is just learning how to pause and take a breath, right? When someone asks you, you know, when your kid asks you, can you go pick up that thing in my room? Maybe you would always say yes, but you just sort of teach yourself to build the muscle of learning how to pause. Even in the most mundane times, right? It's like just learning how to do that because that pause is a muscle that you build over time. The more you use it, the more you strengthen it. And so we have to first learn to do that because when we're in reaction, Again, we have to remember that our brain has deemed something dangerous. Right. Does it mean that, right? Your brain thinks that the tiger chasing you, which rarely happens these days for most people, right? Cavemen, it was a a valid concern. Us, not so much, right? So it could be the tiger chasing you, or it could be that text that just came in from the other co parent. But both will activate your nervous system in the exact same way to get your parasympathetic nervous system to jump into fight or flight. Mm -hmm. That is just what your body does. It's not because you're broken or weird. It's because your body is sensing danger, has experienced quote unquote danger and is jumping into it now. And so we have to learn to pause to decide, am I in danger? Agree. And Mickey, I love this because I'm thinking, And my husband would be so happy that you're telling me this right now because he's like, slow (laughs) down. You don't have to respond right away. Even if sometimes I'm not triggered, I just feel like I have to respond right away. And you know what? I don't. I can pause. I can think about it. I can breathe. And I think if I could practice doing that just in general, that's going to get me in the habit of, you know, allowing myself that time because I am that person that feels like I got to have a response right away. Absolutely. And again, it is a skill. And for us to, when we want to co-parent differently, right? If we're not happy with what's going on, we have to be willing to be different. And when I say be, be means to think, to feel, and to act differently. 
So we can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So it's almost, can we start to learn now how to build this skill? You know, pausing. If you have a lot of reaction, maybe to text, usually it's texting. Mm -hmm. I don't understand when texting became the form of communication that we all use because it's for, did you pick up the groceries, right? Or are you Mm going to be here at six to pick up the kids? Anything outside of a yes or no is not text because you can't hear someone's voice. You can't understand the inflection and we're heaping all of our baggage onto it. So Mm -hmm. removing yourself from the text stream is a really important skill to learn. But also if you are in that reactive state where you guys do get into maybe the toxic cycle, again, that text exchange that I said, you know, as soon as you're into the attack and blame cycle, you're just spinning, right? Back and forth, mm-hmm. back and forth. So it's really learning to pause and step back and to say, what is it that I want here? And you can absolutely leave that conversation. There is nothing that needs to be said that needs to be said on that yeah. when you are into an attack and blame, because it is all emotion at that point. Yeah. So you say, I am happy to have this conversation when we can do so in a respectful manner. Until then, I'm out. And then you're out. Right. Right. Put it on pause or whatever on sleep and you don't go back to it. But that's the thing that we struggle with most. And I know so many of my clients will come to me and I use Voxer for in between our sessions because life happens in between our coaching sessions, you know, and I'll get those responses. Oh my gosh, Mickey, I just got this text. What do I do? Right. (laughs) And I can sort of Voxer back and forth with them to be that voice for them to say, do you want to react or do you want to take responsibility? And which, what is your next action from there? And so that's why I think having a therapist or a coach or a mentor is so important because when we don't have that support, it's like we just kind of keep adding to the mess. Right. And really what we want to do is learn how to keep our side of the street clean. Let the other co-parent mess up their street all they want. That's their business right? But your side of the street is yours to clean up and to take care of and to maintain. And so it's really, how are you going to do that? And how are you supporting yourself, giving yourself every resource and everything you could possibly need to do that? Yeah, that's so good. Okay. I'm looking, the time is flying by and I want to ask you about navigating different parenting styles. So (laughs) say you uh, divorce and you and your ex-spouse have very different styles And maybe there's even another person involved with that. Can you give quickly a little advice? We might have to have you back to talk more about that. But is there some, a little bit of advice you can share about how to do that? Yeah. So the first thing that I always like to remind clients and other people about is that the likelihood, usually we feel like, oh, it's the divorce that is causing this problem, right? Because we're divorced, we can't agree on this. You probably weren't going to agree on it before the divorce, right? So let's like just be real with ourselves about what's really going on. And this is the first thing I do with each of my clients is create a vision for their life. And this is so important because we can't continue to live in a reactionary state just doing what we don't want. We have to create a destination, a lighthouse of sorts that tells us where we want to go because the storm is going to come. The night is going to be dark. We're not going to be able to see our way. So we need to have that sort of lighthouse vision of where we're going. 
We do that by creating a vision statement for yourself, which I walk all my clients through, but we also determine your values. These are the things that are most important to you. They become like a funnel system for you. And I bring this up now because learning how to navigate different parenting styles, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Mm-hmm. Short of abuse or something that like is very detrimental to your child, I'm not talking about that, right? What we are talking about is, you know, one parent believes in this and the other parent believes in this and it's kind of like competing or on how to approach and raise the kids. You get to decide whatever is true for you. And this is important to understand because we have to understand why we want that. What are the values that this is meeting? Because when we are living a life that is, again, in the direction that we want to go with the values that are important to us, we learn to make decisions and stand firm in a loving way so that we can uphold those values. And I don't think that there, most people have really good values. Most people are really good people, even the difficult co-parent. Mm-hmm. They're doing the best they can with what they have, even when their best is really, really not great. We have to understand that they're probably their intentions are good. And so we can't get so sidelined in what they are or aren't doing. It's more focusing on what can I control, which is you, nothing else. It's how you're thinking, how you're feeling, and how you're acting. And then how do I want to show up? In my situation, we have a lot of parents between all the houses and Mm -hmm. all the things. There's a lot of opinions and we don't always agree. You know, there's often disagreements on sort of one thing or the other. I've had to learn that my, I get to be in charge of what I think and feel and how I act. And then I have to release that for everybody else. But that doesn't mean that I can't hold a boundary or a value for my child that the other people don't. So like social media, right? it's a no-go for me. My son just brought it up the other day. He's like, mom, I'm 13 now. I think we should have this talk. And I said, oh, you're so lucky. They just put out another report about all of the problems with it. So, you know, would you like me to print it? He's like, oh man, right? (laughs) And off he goes. I'm just clear with him because he says, well, dad's okay with it. Or, you know, someone else is okay with it. That's fine. But I'm not. And here are the reasons. Because this is how I think that we should be aligning our actions and our life and our emotions. And until you and I can get on the same page with that, it's just a non-conversation. He hates He gets very upset with me. He also, I think, I hope, I pray, respects it on some level. Yeah. Right? Because I'm convicted. So the reason I bring it up is you get to be in charge of your home. You get to be in charge of what you believe, how you're going to co-parent. And if it is not hurting anyone else, you get to do that. And then you also have to learn to allow the other co-parent the same. The same. And that is where the work is because that's what brings up all of the triggers, all of the stuff. I love that when you talk about values and I think how I can incorporate that into my world when I'm doing a parenting plan. So we're trying to think, we have something where we talk about social media and when that's going, because I want to talk about that before they're out there living that life if we can. 
And I think if they can have their values before that meeting, that's going to help so much. And what I love about it is you know where the boundaries are, where you're not going to move. Also know, well, that's not really one of my values. So I'm going to just let that one go. Yeah. Again, if it doesn't meet your values, you just kind of have to let it go because you can't fight every battle. Otherwise, you're just always fighting. Yep. I'm sure you see this more than I do, but it's really, that's when kids get stuck in the middle, mm-hmm. when it's all about the parents. And so I always like to just remind parents that keep your kid center, meaning yes. they are what you revolve around, right? We're not pulling them back and forth between one another. We're both revolving around them. <laughs> and even if the other co-parent doesn't do this, doesn't mean that you can't, right? You do not need their permission, their participation, or anything for you to show up as a good, solid role model and parent who keeps your child center and really loves and respects yourself and them. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses, and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. And Mickey, we are getting to the end of this episode. I know. But as you know, I always, I have my saddle up segment where I get one piece of advice, something that the listeners can do right away to help them co-parent better or have a better life. Do you have something for us? You've given us so much already. Oh, yeah. I think it goes back to what we were talking about, really learning how to build that muscle of pausing and giving yourself the space to figure out what is the next most loving decision is such a powerful place to work from. And we can do that. And you can learn how to pause and to step back And to give yourself the space to kind of, even if it's pausing, putting your hand on your heart and taking three deep breaths, it will help you calm down. And when you are in that calmer state, you can make different decisions. And that to me is what it's all about is just learning to be conscious. And that's why I think conscious co-parenting, right? It's just being awake. It's not perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't make any mistakes. It just means you know what you're doing, why you're doing it even when that awareness comes after the fact. And that's all we can ever do as humans is imperfectly, perfectly try our best. 
And so, so yeah, thank you. And I'm happy to offer your listeners if they want to learn because conscious parenting I lay out is just really a three-step process of awareness, learning how to have agency, and then learning how to take aligned action. And so I do have a 20-minute masterclass that sort of teaches this in a very palatable bite-sized way. And so I'd be happy to share that and give that as a gift for anyone who is interested Uh, in learning how to really shift out of the drama and step into creating the life you want. Thank you. We appreciate that. I mean, that sounds like an added value, you know, something that they can use right now. So Mickey, if, so we'll have all your information in the show notes. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, I think probably Instagram's the easiest just because all the links are right in the bio. So you can always click there. Okay. But, you know, I'll give you the link for the masterclass too is a great way. But I think Instagram's always kind of where I hang out. It's fun and you do a good job there. So Mickey, thank you so much for your time. I've learned so much and it's been a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. It's an honor. Take care. Hey friends, you may have heard me mention my swan analogy, how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake, not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety, which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe and to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com different. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.